0: I'm Kate King.
1: And I'm Nayla Vandenberg. We're colleagues and executive leaders in a global nonprofit.
0: Leading in conversation is our passion. We're excited about the transformative power of free-flowing conversations that generate new insights and open up possibilities for change.
1: And we found that it resonates with other leaders and they want to know more.
0: This podcast is our response to that growing interest. Together and with guests, We want to explore how conversational leadership works on a daily basis in the workplace. Hi Nailis, this feels a little bit awkward. How do you start a podcast?
1: Especially if it's the first one. I'm glad we're doing this. This is exciting and scary and I am really looking forward to connecting with people and uh, even if it's just talking to you.
0: (laughs) Yes, so I guess we should start out by introducing ourselves and the the concept of conversational leadership and then maybe in later episodes we can uh, dig into that in more detail.
1: Let's do it then. Why don't you kick us off?
0: Okay, so I'm Kate. I'm from the UK Although I spent most of my early adulthood working in Papua New Guinea, alongside raising children, I was involved in strategic planning and facilitation, things like that. And I got to see leadership and change processes from the inside, from the backroom perspective. And to be honest, I became disillusioned with traditional models of of leadership, uh, heroic leadership, uh, control and command style leadership, and also with organizational change management. And I guess, you know, also as a parent raising children, I became curious about how change happens, both on a personal level and organizationally. In 2014, I began master's studies. I encountered the work of Ralph Stacey and his theory of complex responsive processes of relating CRPR quite a mouthful. And then that led on to uh, discovering dialogic organization development developed by Gervais Bush and Bob Marshak, um, which really started making a lot of sense to me. I just loved um, what they were describing as a, a totally new way of looking at organizations, of change through the use of conversations. And I, as a, as a writer, as a communications person, I've always got excited about the power of words and language to connect people and to bring change, really. So all of this started ringing bells and inspiring me. And then midway through my master's studies in 2016, we re- relocated to the UK. At that point, our new executive director, who you were already working with, Nailis, um, asked me to join his team to build an internal communications function in our organization. Pretty much making it up from from scratch, really. His leadership style was very conversational. And and we found that our interest in conversational leadership connected there. And he gave me an incredible uh, amount of freedom, permission to experiment in our organization with global staff conversations, using conversational processes. And it just seemed to work. If you'll remember, Nailis, you were one of my first guinea pigs, which you probably weren't aware of at the time. <laughs> but uh, it's been fun uh, exploring over the last uh, how many years is it now six years seven years yeah so how about you why don't you introduce yourself
1: yeah so I'm from the Netherlands and fairly early on in my career I moved to Africa to uh, work with our organization there was there actually for 20 years in a variety of uh, leadership roles yeah one of my first experiences with significant global leadership processes was in 2010, when I was asked to be part of a uh, global task force to look at significant change overhaul of organizational structures in our organization. That change was basically significant failure, like many change processes, actually.
0: 75% of change processes fail, which is is fairly disappointing.
1: And scary to, to be yeah. aware of. Uh, So it's why we need to look at different models. Anyway, this was one of those and it's become a major stumbling block in the organization for further change, actually. We're still overcoming that. Mm -hmm. But being part of that process as that task force, I realized that while we had good ideas, I think, um, we did not have a process to implement it. We were focusing on the ideas from a top-down level and the organization just couldn't embrace it, wasn't part of it, didn't feel co-ownership with it, and as a result, started resisting. That is what really got me interested in looking Mm at, are there different ways of doing this?
0: And it's really interesting because I think now we are, as you said, the ideas were good, and, and we're still working our way through some of the same issues actually now, but it was the process, as you said, and I remember being on the receiving end in Papua New Guinea. And I think we had like a 40 page document that just suddenly appeared announcing all these changes. And it was kind of like, what? You know, this is the first we heard of this. So like you say, process is really important and involving staff in change, even in the co-creation of change rather than producing it from above is
1: really critical. Anyway, in 2016, I was asked to join our incoming executive director as part of his leadership team and was quite inspired uh, by his approach uh, where he took basically a look back at the organizational history and explored uh, our journey up to that point and then took that for conversation into the whole organization and saying, do we recognize this? What does this tell us right now? Uh, Where are we? Where should we go at this crossroads in our organizational history? And that became Quite powerful, and again, it was an inspiration to me as I started exploring the idea of a different kind of process. And soon after that, I started working with Kate. I actually was one of her uh, not just guinea pig, but also. Early adopters reviewing with her, her MA work, looking at, okay, what can I learn from that, but also giving input. And and so we started that conversation both at a theoretical level and at a very practical level in our organization. What does this concretely look like? And that's when we started to experiment, basically, in the organization ourselves as to what works and what doesn't.
0: And one of the reasons that we've started this podcast is because other people have heard about those experiments in SIR with conversational leadership and have been interested and said, can we talk to you about this? Can we learn more about what you're doing? And we have found over the last year that we are meeting up with quite a lot of people from other organizations, similar um, non-profit organizations particularly, and having some great conversations exploring that with people. But we thought well, maybe we should start putting some of this down in some form. And actually a podcast seemed more appropriate to conversations than writing a book or uh, something like that. So yeah. <laughs> Neil, anything to say about this podcast? Why, why we're doing it?
1: I think we're still going to write that book at some point, but at this point, <laughs> uh, a podcast is, I think, as you said, the, the best way forward and, and we can do that fairly quickly. So yeah. We're doing this because we feel that we want to share experiences, the journey with others from an inside perspective. So, one of the things that I mean, almost all of the books are basically written for people doing organizational development who come in as consultants from the outside. And the experience is always that of the outsider. Now, that's all great, but what do you do as a leader when? you are responsible in the end for that change and people look at you to make decisions, not start conversations. What does that look like? How do Mm -hmm. you change the expectations? How do you live with the expectations? How do you give leadership and still find a different way to do that, a conversational way of doing that? So that's what we want to explore with each other and with maybe other experts and interview people and and, and find ways to make this very practical.
0: And um, you must check out our blog for links to some of our favorite writers and practitioners on the topic of conversational leadership, because there's some great stuff out there. Dialogic organizational development, as well as conversational leadership, people like David Gertine and Bush and Marsha Institute, some of my favorites. And, you know, we we probably should start out with a disclaimer, we're not experts, we're practitioners, we don't have it all figured out, and we're still learning, and we want to learn in conversation with others and continue the journey uh, with others. But we'll be pointing you to some of the experts and writers along the way.
1: Who, by the way, are also on a journey. The whole idea is that this is a new field where Mm -hmm. everybody is still learning, and actually the world is changing so fast that... We can't just settle and say, now we've got it. And so, this yeah. ongoing exploration is going to be important.
0: So, that's a great segue, Nailus, into our, uh, our main topic for the day, really, which is what is conversational leadership? And um, we thought we'd give a brief introduction today and then follow up in later episodes. So, what is conversational leadership, Nailus?
1: Well, let me say first something about what it's not. Um, What I often see happen is that people are like, whoa, that's great. That's a wonderful tool to use. And yes, it is. But when we're talking about conversation leadership, we're thinking about it as much more than just a tool. Um, It is a way of, of looking at all of leadership and actually what an organization is. Mm-hmm. and and that is my second point is it's a completely new way of understanding what an organization actually is and I think that's important to, to, to understand
0: and I'd add to that it's it's a new way of relating to staff it's about respecting and involving staff in a whole new way in decision making and to me I think that's really critical and you mentioned earlier uh, a little bit that this was still an emerging field very much so. I think it started developing in the early 2000s, sort of in contrast to the historic approach to leadership and change, which was very much heroic, um, top-down, managerial, management-led. And has probably developed as a response to sort of see change in culture too. People are more connected than ever before through the internet. Life has become more complex and change is more constant. Change, if you read some of the early change management tomes, textbooks, uh, classic texts, they refer, such as Lewin, uh, refer to change as a sort of one-off event where you you need to unfreeze, make the change happen, and then freeze again, and then life can go on. As- and, and now that just seems uh, so strange, because change is constant. You're changing your change as you go, even. I think everyone would probably resonate with that today, especially in our current pandemic context.
1: Yeah, I think of Cotter, who basically have the change figured out and then you create five steps to change and at the end you're done (laughs) and so we're talking about something quite different here it is change that's constant change that is done together where the leader has a very different role a convener a shepherd rather than the one who who knows everything
0: Okay, so why don't we run through some of the key principles of conversational leadership right now that we'll be digging into in later episodes. Nailis, why don't you kick us off with this new way of looking at organizations?
1: Yeah, so one of the first things we already mentioned shortly is an organization is a web of ongoing conversations. So that defines organizations quite differently. So that's the first principle. An organization is a web of ongoing conversations. So that means that it's not a neat set of boxes on an org chart, which is what we often think of as we define an organization. It's actually not the legal incorporation that defines the organization because organizations are in reality much more fluid than that. It is the identity people give to this somewhat abstract concept together. And it is in conversations where people share information, where they identify together what they are about, where they learn to diagnose problems, where they look together at making commitments that an organization is actually defined. Together, we give it meaning. That has profound implications, of course. So when you think of what that means, that If an organization truly is that web of conversations, then leadership is about engaging with and participating in all of those interactions that happen naturally anyway. And conversational leadership is about doing that, engaging every staff member to do that shaping of the organization together, rather than assume that it's sort of done outside of everybody.
0: Mm -hmm. So a second key principle is that everyone in the organization has wisdom and their wisdom is needed. And that's very much in contrast to that sort of traditional lone omniscient leader. We want to engage everybody in change and access their insights, their experience. Now, sure, position and the connections that leaders have does give them access to privileged information and broader perspectives. But they don't have access to all the information and understanding needed, and and they're often out out of touch with the experience of staff on the ground. I think we, as leaders, need to be really aware of that. We are very much out of touch with the experience of staff on the ground. They're responsible for day-to-day operations. They have deep insights into what really happens, as well as the ability to influence people and projects and bring change much more quickly. And we need to bring those two perspectives together. I think that's really valuable, really important. The, the big picture perspective, but then the on the ground perspective. We need to get those, those insights and that experience and the wisdom that, that flows from it. The philosophy behind um, conversational leadership, which we'll look into later, is that meaning is socially constructed. We build build it together and everyone has wisdom to contribute to that.
1: Yeah that goes back to our earlier point about the organization being defined by all of us together so it's a it's yeah. a social construct yeah and you you cannot work as if it is defined top down and and I yeah. think that that is a key part of the whole idea behind conversational mm-hmm. leadership when i talk about it with people people recognize that they are immediately aware like yeah, when we did this change process or when this leader said that, they had no idea of what it's really like. No. And, and you get those kind of responses all the time. And so yeah, I think yeah. it, it touches a reality many of us recognize.
0: Yes, definitely. So is there even a place for a leader these days?
1: Uh, absolutely. That is actually the, the, the third principle that we wanted to explore, that leaders have a very important role to play, but it's quite different. Yeah. So the leader doesn't stand outside the organization. It is not one who dictates action, but is one that is engaged in that web of conversations and is able to help shape that conversation without being able to control it. And, and that is, <laughs> is key. So what does shaping versus controlling mean? So one aspect of that is that the right questions are asked. So that conversations are actually have a direction, that they're focused, that they're productive, and it doesn't become just chatter, which can easily happen if you're not careful.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that's that's one of the, peop- the things that people say about conversational leadership. I think we're going to get onto that later. It's just, how is this different from what we do anyway? We talk, you know, how is this different? But actually, the framing is really important.
1: Yeah, so it, it's very... Purposeful and and that's where leadership, without giving all the answers, asks the right questions. That of course then also means that you've got to involve the right people. So leaders need to be the ones to ensure that all of the different key perspectives are brought into the conversation because if you don't you get a very one-sided view of the situation and actually half of the group still feels excluded and they will create their own social reality which is then an opposition to leadership which is not helpful at all and again we see that happen all the time
0: one of the reasons we need diversity is, is that's where novelty, new ideas come from. If, you've, if you're if you stuck with the same group of people talking about something all the time and there's no new input, new insights, you're pretty much going to get stuck going around in circles. So bringing in new people, bringing in diverse perspectives and experiences is actually what you need to create that novelty that will lead to, to new solutions, new answers.
1: Uh, before we go there conversations need some kind of closure in the sense that you want to come to conclusions that lead to action Mm, and that form the basis for further conversation so there's a there's a sense of clarifying what has come out of the conversation and together determine what some next steps would be and again that is a key leadership role yeah definitely back to diversity
0: yes as i said um you know, a diversity of experience and wisdom is needed um, to find solutions and direction. And if you've got the same, you know, the same group of leaders talking about the same problem over and over and over, you're not really going to to get anything new. If you have similar backgrounds, similar life experiences, exposure to the same set of influences and information, you're going to find that you're limited uh, in ideas and options. Uh, so it's always great to to gather a diverse group of people together if you want to imagine and invent different futures. Um, and I think something we'll we'll get into later is, is the connection to complexity science and what that has revealed about how novelty emerges when diversity is introduced to an existing pattern. how the same result can be seen in groups of people working on a task.
1: Yeah, I've become very fascinated by the whole complexity science and, mm-hmm. and the discoveries. It's probably one of the most exciting fields of of science right now and that is so meaningful to leadership because we live in what we call a VUCA world, volatile,
0: unpredictable, complex complex, and ambiguous
1: and this this VUCA world, this complex volatile world requires a different kind of leadership Mm -hmm. and that is why this this starts to resonate with so many people
0: and i think the the pandemic has shown that i mean leading with uncertainty or leading into the unknown that's probably a whole topic for a whole nother episode but yeah and yeah that's that's huge right now how how do how do we lead into the next year when we don't know what's going to happen
1: Exactly. Anyway. It's not knowing. It's it's the reality that everything is related to everything. Yes. And that when you think you have a sense of control, you're 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 completely kidding yourself because it doesn't work that way. And mm-hmm. and it's that reality that people come to grips with and then say, okay, but you can't give up on leadership in that situation. So mm-hmm. what does leadership look like? And, and that's what we're talking about.
0: There are so many fascinating threads with this topic, with this whole area. Uh, We could go off down many rabbit trails, but let's get back to our key key principles. So talk is action. Uh, One of the most fundamental misunderstandings about conversational leadership is is that it is just talking and does not result in action, as, as we mentioned earlier. But conversational leadership views conversation as action. It is in that um, back and forth, that reciprocal exchange um, of information and the development of ideas that new thoughts and insights emerge and are developed or co-created. And in fact, we we played a little bit with using the term co-creation rather than conversation, conversational leadership, co-creational leadership at one point, because conversation just sounded a bit too much like chat, a bit too like normal even. But the thing I love about conversational process is that it enables us to hear the perspective of others to wrestle with information and implications and to come to the those insights those original thoughts that are necessary for real change to occur you know nobody really changes because they are given a 40 page document telling them how they should change I've I've not seen it happen yet (laughs) I think we need to wrestle with the problem ourselves and come to those insights in order to change our behaviors whether that's on a personal level, uh, on a, in an organisational context as well, and those changes have to to go deep down in our own attitudes, it's even deeper. We've we've obviously been talking a lot in our organisation about mental models. Um, currently, what are the mental models that drive our attitudes and behaviours, and and then are reflected in the structures and processes of the organisation? So talk is definitely action.
1: Yeah, definitely, and it is not fluffy. <laughs> that sense at all. It it really is about core changes that actually change significantly the organization and lead to results. And so that is, I think, really important to understand that that mm-hmm. it it can be quite hardcore and that it can be quite focused. But it's often into the unknown because nobody knows beforehand what the right solution is. And even if you did, it may not be the right solution anymore. Uh, a year from now and that is what we need to embrace and why it is about action and conversation together
0: keeping on talking keeping on assessing where we're at and yeah
1: exactly so
0: I think we' we're, we're getting towards the point where we might need to wrap up Nailis, is there anything else you want to say at this point about key principles
1: yeah there is something that is a little bit hard to, to put into a principle as such but I think conversational leadership opens up a space for us, to look at ourselves as, as more than just rational. So we already talked about mental models. When we engage people, we engage them as people with all of their backgrounds, with all of their realities. So as holistic beings, that also opens up space for a spiritual aspect. We are Christians and for us, then that means that we create space for God to speak into the process. For somebody who's not a, a Christian as such, it may be defined differently, but we are spiritual beings and to create space for all of reality, I think is is, is important. And it gives us a space where we're open to listen, to explore, to use our intuition, and to mm. hear perspectives that go beyond just the rational yeah. aspect.
0: And and to feel our way forward. And I, I particularly love that about intuition, as you know, I'm very much into using intuition in leadership and that sort of sense of leading by feel. So yeah, I think converse I agree with you there, conversation and the leadership really does open up that beyond the rational.
1: The yeah, and I would even call that. it very concretely. It opens up a space for faith. And for me, that is faith that god can act in incredibly complex situations for somebody else it may be faith that together we can overcome this but there is a faith component in there Mm -hmm. which i think is very important to 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 be aware of
0: So I I think that's probably enough for today. Uh, And and as I've said repeatedly, we'll, we'll be exploring all of this in more depth in future episodes. And I'm really looking forward to that. We'll be interviewing some practitioners for their perspective too. For now... Uh, you might want to hop over into our blog at leadershipinconversation.net. That's all one word, leadership in conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Uh, Tell us what you heard today that you want to hear more about uh, because we'll use that feedback to shape our future episodes. So yeah, leadershipinconversation.net.
1: And please do join us because it's in conversation that it happens.
0: Absolutely.